0: Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for each other, uh, our neighbors, as it were, whether they are family, friends, acquaintances, or strangers. They are our neighbor. And thank you for your presence and your love with us. And on this glorious sunny fall day, Lord, uh, Help us to take it into our hearts that we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. People often think the New Testament is all about grace and forgiveness, while the Old Testament is about law and judgment, hellfire and brimstone, and there are certainly plenty of, there's certainly some truth to that. Exhibit A, the Ten Commandments, given to Moses and the Israelites at Mount Horeb. There is one rendition of God carving the tablets for Moses that I'm going to show you now. I I suspect you've seen it before. Courtesy of Cecil B. DeMille, circa 1956. Okay, you get the point there. There's kind of a certain tone that's created, a pretty powerful image of kind of an inaccessible, distant God who writes commands in stone with his fiery finger. Plus, we learn that God's voice is very low and it's kind of spooky. And then Moses brings the commandments down to a very rebellious and... uh, unfaithful people. Let's take a quick glimpse. Again, a certain tone is created. So, did you like the one guy in the movie who was he was smoking something? Huh? <laughs> and, whatever he was smoking, he sure put that down in a hurry. Uh, one thing's for sure, most people think, I believe, something to the effect of If I'm going to find favor with God, make it through the pearly gates one day, right, I better obey the Ten Commandments. And since I haven't always done that, well, hopefully God grades on a curve. You know, I may not be very good, but I might be better than my next-door neighbor. Maybe I got a shot. When we think of the Ten Commandments, and this gets reinforced by Hollywood, all the time certainly it did 1956 we usually think of god as the angry judge god coming down on us and yet the old testament teaches us very clearly and our jewish brothers and sisters remind us of this that god gave the 10 commandments to the israelites as a gift not a burden placed on them by an oppressive taskmaster. It is a gift given to promote life. Life with God and with one another. It's our part of the covenant. Covenant, you say. Before the commandments are given in verse 2, if you look at your lesson, Moses says, God made a covenant with us at Mount Horeb. Now, what's a covenant? A covenant does not mean if you obey the commandments, then God will like you and will give you eternal life. That's not a covenant. That's a conditional deal, a transaction. A covenant involves two parties in an agreement, a mutual relationship. Here's God's part of the covenant. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's right there in your lesson. So you see, the Israelites, far from having to make it in God's favor, have already been chosen. They've already been set free. There's already a relationship here by which God has bound God's self unconditionally to these very imperfect people. Hence, God will bring them to the promised land and will not forsake them. God is faithful. As it is often stated in scripture, God's relationship with Israel can best be summarized uh, in this phrase. God says, I will be your God, I will be your God and you will be my people. This is the real gift, that God would bind himself to these unpredictable people and to us. It is out of that relationship and only out of that relationship that the commandments are given as parameters necessary for a healthy and thriving human community. Kind of like parents giving appropriate rules to their children. And because of this loving relationship, the commandments themselves, the commandments themselves are a gift. Jews have always regarded God's law as gift. Meditate on it. Write it on your door on your doorposts, on your foreheads. You heard the, the language there. And so have Christians regarded it as a gift. The laws, the commandments are a gift to help Israel and us know how to relate to God and each other. This means Contrary to popular understanding, the Ten Commandments were not an entrance exam for the Israelites because they were already God's people. The Ten Commandments, then, were and are a calling. God set the Israelites free from bondage for a purpose, to love God and neighbor, to learn to live in loving gratitude toward God and advocacy or one's neighbor. That's our part of the covenant. Put another way, God told Abraham and Jacob multiple times that they would be blessed. Can you fill out the second part of that? They would be blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing to all the families on the earth, not just those in your tribe or people who look like you or act like you, to all the families of the earth. The Ten Commandments are part of the covenant because it means that God has blessed them and will continue to, and they are to pass on that blessing, pay it forward through their lives and the way they treat people. And it's all about love. Now, some will disparage the whole idea of rules as putting a damper on things. Did you notice in the the film clip when Uh, Dathan is is the character's name played by Edward G. G. Robinson uh, incredibly miscast in that role um, where where he's pushing back on Moses and says we don't need the commandments Moses, we're free! You ever notice how often people think of commands or rules as limiting freedom and that real freedom is doing whatever you want to? Well, what happens with highly flawed, imperfect people if they live with no boundaries or constraints. Is it really freedom if everyone covets blindly, steals from one another, sleeps with whoever they're attracted to, and lies willfully to manipulate others? I I think we see enough of that in our world (laughs) to know that works out? A world with no boundaries creates an untrustworthy and chaotic world where lives are diminished and people are not free, but rather live in prisons built by themselves and those around them. Do you remember what Moses says to Dathan when Dathan says, we don't need commandments, we're free? Moses says, I'm paraphrasing, that true freedom comes through The commandments. He means the commands to love God and neighbor when followed free you and your neighbor to live life. Why? Because they prescribe a trustworthy world that you can count on where life flourishes. And it's a lot like Allison said in the children's message You, you can't play a game without rules. Because it's not fair to everybody. People get taken advantage of, etc. But you can't play the game of life without rules either. But there's an even deeper idea behind freedom here. Namely, that true freedom is found in relationships. Have you ever noticed how free you feel when you're with someone who really loves you for who you are? and allows you to be who you are. They honor and they respect that. There is an understanding there that you'll be there for each other, you and that other person or those people. It's like a covenant. And there's a sense of freedom there that's incomparable. Freedom then is found in Giving and sharing love with those around you. In a sense, being bound to those people in a covenant sort of blessing relationship. God gives us the ultimate freedom and it began in a big way when the Israelites were freed from the hand of Pharaoh when God said, you will never have to serve a human (laughs) Lord again. I alone will be your God. I have freed you. Commandments are to protect freedom not impose bondage, and they are grounded in relationship. And this brings us to another really important point. Sometimes the Ten Commandments are grossly misunderstood, merely as prohibitions. Don't do this, don't do that, that's all it is. That's what religion is. just don't, 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 not, negative. The commandments, however, don't only prohibit you from hurting your neighbor, and they do that, they are even more fundamentally God's calling and invitation to proactively help your neighbor thrive. In other words, it's not just that what you don't do, it's what you can do for the sake of the neighbor. Luther, in his small catechism, beautifully picked up on this. I know many of you memorized this at one point, and I'm sure you still have it memorized, and you can say it right with me now. As I, the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. What does this mean? Luther explains. It's, it's a two part. We should fear and love God that we may not hurt nor harm our neighbor in his body. There's the prohibition. But help and befriend him in every bodily need, in every need and danger of life and body. And there is proactive love. Not only do we not kill or harm our neighbor, we are called to help and befriend our neighbor. Why exactly? Because we are surrounded by grace and called to extend it. That's why. It's that whole covenant thing. We've been blessed, and in the covenant relationship, we are called to bless those around us, to help them thrive, to give them hope when they need hope. And this is a part of God's grace. Namely, think about it, that God would partner with the likes of of you and me, flawed people, each of us, to do meaningful work, the work of love. (laughs) In closing, I don't want this to ever be lost in any sermon or any time you read the Bible. The real force of Bible stories like these is that we are addressed by these words. Now, through these words, by the living voice of God. We who hear these words today are also standing at the foot of Mount Sinai with the Israelites. We are called upon now to enter into and recommit to that relationship with the God of Israel. This is what Scripture is all about. Scripture speaks not merely to inform your noggins, but to transform your lives, to invite us to enter into the story of God and Israel and the story of Christ and the church, and therein to find our own story. So, Scripture is not only about Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Moses and the rest, it's about us. And as we find ourselves in the story, we learn that it's not about information; it's about transformation. The Ten Commandments are given to help us create, for ourselves and for the sake of our neighbor, glimpses into God's kingdom—a countercultural witness. I close with a quote from *The Truth About God* by Stanley Hauerwas and Will Willimon. The commandments are not guidelines for humanity in general. They are a countercultural way of life for those who know who they are and whose they are. Their function is not to keep American culture running smoothly, but rather to produce a people who are, in our daily lives, a sign, a signal, a witness that God has not left the world to its own devices. Amen.